Hello everyone, this is the Indian Diaspora Podcast. Uh, this is your host Shashi and I'm back today with my co-host Vijay and Neeraj. Vishwas is taking a break uh, today. Uh, we're back with episode 29 and um, today we're going to talk about what we read as literature in school or what we were exposed to as literature in school and how much of an impact it had on our future reading and to what extent we carry on reading similar things or to what extent we've been influenced by other things. Um, the Schooling in India was diverse. You know, all of us went through a different schooling system. And um, therefore, the kind of literature that we were exposed to was also very different. And I'm sure the, the impact it had on us is going to be very different as well. And that's what we're going to explore with my co-hosts, Vijay and Neeraj. To start off with, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting to note that there are multiple school boards in India and they have different curricula. I went through a board called ICSE, Indian Certificate of Secondary Examination. Uh, Vijay went through something different and needed probably the same or something different. So we're going to start there. <clears throat> Vijay, do you want to start us off with uh, you know, what boards you went through and what you were taught in school? Let's first explore that. Sure. So, yeah, you did. You mentioned the two boards that were the big uh, boards in India. We were in the CBSE system, Central Board for Secondary Education. Uh, I went through the Kendri Vidyala Central School System because my dad was in the services in the army. So those school systems were available everywhere and easy to transfer in and out with every you know every time we moved. So it naturally defaulted to that. But I had friends also who went through the other ICSE system, and we used to talk about how different those uh, systems were in terms of you know literature, the things we kind of studied and learned. Uh, in English, for example. At least on the CBSE side, uh, we used to follow the NCERT textbooks. And a lot of it was short form in the sense that even though some of the things that were there in the books were extracted from maybe, you know, large, uh, you know, books of, you know, uh, from the classics and stuff like that, uh, they were usually a few pages. And then you had questions on, you know, did you comprehend it? What do you, if you talk about the insights and stuff like that? But we really never had the chance to read something, a major you know, piece from end to end, which I think used to be more in the ICSE side. So we used to hear our friends talk about how they might have read a book by Shakespeare or something, which, or a play from, play from Shakespeare, and they kind of analyzed it you know, completely, whereas we were really focused on reading short sections and interpreting that. So I think that was a big difference. And I used to, you know, I, I still tell this really funny story from those days to my kids. Uh, these chapters that were there in our book, uh, there was one on religions of the world. This is what the book in India was teaching. The three major religions in the world are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. <laughs> and, you know, I said, okay, that's what they're saying. So that's the answer. And I look back and say we were living in a country which is now a billion plus uh, Hinduism is such a big religion, but the, what that English textbook was teaching us was that the biggest religions in the world were completely different from the one we were living our day-to-day -day lives in. So it's kind of funny. That is one of the stories that, that come to mind. And then the other thing that I remember is poetry. And there too, the, I feel like the um, types of poems we read were maybe not as rich as the stuff you did in the ICSE side. Then, of course, there was Hindi and there was Sanskrit. Uh, so Hindi was a completely different ball game. I grew up in North India, so I was very fluent uh, in speaking Hindi, but I never really got into Hindi prose. Uh, I always found it challenging, you know, the way it was taught, uh, the way they expected us to answer stuff. We used to have all this grammar in Hindi, which I didn't fully understand. 
and it got more and more complicated as I got into the later years in, in high school, etc. Eventually, I dropped from the in, in 11th and 12th grade, but uh, I always found it uh, as a subject that felt very theoretical the way it was taught in school versus how I spoke with my friends. And then Sanskrit, we can definitely talk about that. We had that from fifth grade to ninth grade, if I remember correctly. And I would have learned nothing if I didn't have my grandfather who was very, very well-versed in Sanskrit, who would come every year to visit us and would sit me down and teach me the real stuff, right? He'd say, no, no, you got to understand what's behind this. And uh, he even for a while went through large sections of the Bhagavad Gita with me. And that's really how I learned whatever Sanskrit I learned, because the way it was taught in school was literally like, maybe like what they teach Latin or something in, in, in the US. Uh, unless you really get into the background, it feels very, very theoretical. And uh, there was some prose we did there too, but I don't think any of that stuck with me. And besides that, I think we read a lot outside, right? And I think maybe we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but uh, maybe more of my reading was with the Enid Blyton's and later on with things like Alistair Macklin and stuff like that. We can explore that too. But school, it, it mostly it was, you got you to gotta do this just to learn it. I don't know how much I carried forward from there. That's interesting. Um, and <clears throat> I think you know, the distinctions that you're drawing between the two boards, um, I'll explain it in a bit. But, you know, we had a, I think in the ICSE board, we had a very good selection of prose and poetry. And I'll come and talk a little bit about that in a minute. But Neeraj, let's go to you first. Um, what was your schooling and uh, what did you learn? So uh, I'm also CBSC, NCRT, KV product. Like all 12 years from first standard to 12th standard were all KV. So what I remember about the literature in school was there used to be after like sixth grade or maybe after eighth grade, there used to be three books in each uh, language. Uh, there used to be a core book and the core book used to be divided into two sections. One was poem and one was uh, sort of, uh, you know, the stories. And there used to be a supplemental book. That supplemental book, I think, used to change every year or two years. So, so my sister, who was three, four years behind me, she would have a different supplemental book than I, I, I studied with. Uh, Sanskrit was for me only sixth to eighth grade. So the it was kind of different the way Vijay you said. For us, the content was a lot religious, at least in Hindi and Sanskrit. Uh, Sanskrit actually included chapters from Mahabharata and Ramayana, not trying to, I'm not, I can't really imagine the purpose, but because they were originally written in uh, uh, Sanskrit, I guess. And we did have two books in Hindi. One was called Sankshipt uh, Ramayan, uh, which was, I think, Tulsidas version, and, uh, and also Sankshipt Mahabharat in Hindi. And you're right. One of the things I noticed in English uh, literature was also that they were never complete books. They were probably either the abridged version of the actual story, or they were merely a chapter. For me, actually, that was uh, a reason I did not really like English literature a lot because it left me without context or the abridged version was simply abridged version. It did not have nuances of original authors. So some of the things I read afterwards, I'm like, I don't remember any of this in the school. Reason being because a novel of 500 pages was condensed into maybe 50 paragraphs. Right? And it does not do the uh, justice to the actual story. So, and most of the stories we read were actually in a story format, even if it was an autobiography of somebody or it was a biography written by somebody else, 
the the co uh, I don't know what the name would be, but narrator or, or new author or whoever shortened it, shortened it in his in his yeah. own words, different style. So yeah, so 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 kind of lost the touch on that. So when I uh, read a lot of uh, Hindi novels by original author, I, I think I mentioned in previous one of the previous episodes, my mom was librarian in a different school. And sometimes when we go to school, we will see the whole book actual by Hindi authors. And I would read that. I'm like, this is not what I read in the NCRD core book, right? Uh, or, or even if I read the poem, it will be four proses, but actual poem would be like 20 proses. I'm like, where did these extra 16 come from? So so for me, that was actually a major, major letdown that the, the what we studied was not... Uh, uh, honest version of what original work was. And it, it, it actually kind of made me move away from reading Hindi literature or English literature. When I say literature, I mean hardcore work of where the, you know, the, the, the sort of Jane, uh, that Jane Austen kind of work, right? Uh, so when I came to Kharagpur, I was not interested into reading any literature book per se, because I think uh, my thinking was, oh, this is some heavy stuff. And I've read the light version of it, which I didn't really like. So I don't think I'm going to be able to ingest the heavy version of it. So so for me, it was a takeoff and uh, never picked up uh, in uh, Kharagpur days. So that was my experience uh, for the literature I picked up in the school. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear both you and Neeraj, uh, Neeraj you and uh, Vijay. Uh, so I went to the ICSC board and <clears throat> it was kind of interesting that from a very early class, like, you know, even class three or four, we had prescribed textbooks for both English and Hindi, uh, for both prose and, liter- and, and poetry. And, uh, you know, as you progress through the years, the kind of stories or the poetry that you're being taught uh, kept changing. So in the very early days, um, the stories were a lot of sort of fairy tales, for example, um, in English, and a lot of quite light stories in Hindi. But as you progressed, the, the stories got more intense. <laughs> When you get to the class sort of eight, nine, ten sort of area, <clears throat> we had prescribed textbooks that lasted us for two or three years. Um, and from what I recall, you know, the English textbooks were, uh, you know, quite intense stories. When class nine and ten, we studied Shakespeare, and we studied, uh, you know, so every <clears throat> every few years they would change the prescribed textbook. But uh, the one that I studied was Merchant of Venice. And that textbook was in its original, you know, the original language, the whole the whole five act play, um, and you know we went through it in some intensity because you know it, it was a form of English that we were not very familiar with, so it had to all be explained and sort of analyzed, and then that was basically the substance of the exam as well. What's striking is that you know there are many verses from Merchant of Venice which I still remember today. I've never gone back to read Merchant of Venice again. I mean, then this is I'm talking of 1986, 87, so almost 40 years ago. But there are some verses from it which I still remember. And there was an ethics class going on at Harvard when I was there where um, you know, we turned to the Merchant of Venice and I was reciting them from memory. When it came to poetry, it was the same story, but <clears throat> you know, we had this book called Panorama, uh, which was a compilation of uh, poetry that we studied for English poetry uh, for ICSE, the, the, for the board exam. And it was interesting in that it combined poetry by, um, you know, Western authors, uh, Western poets, you know, sort of British um, and American, but also poetry written by some of the early English poets. And that was my first exposure to early English poetry. Now, one of them, one of these poets was um, Henry 
uh, what was his name, Henry De Rosario. Uh, he was, you know, um, it's a very Portuguese sounding name, but actually, you know, by and large an Indian guy who was writing poetry in the 1820s and 1830s. And I had the, uh, you know, so scouting around in the South Park Street Cemetery in, in Kolkata a few years ago, and I found his grave. So there, is, you know, so there was an exposure to sort of early Indian exposure, early Indian exploration of English poetry as well. Um, I still remember the poem that he wrote, you know, uh, Ode to My Country. But there were long-form original poems from the West. You know, there's a lot of Wordsworth and all that. But again, you know, going back to my experience at Harvard, uh, when I arrived at Harvard, you know, the very first few days, um, there was an organized tour of Boston that the students were sent out on. And we went to um, the North End, which is where uh, the story of Paul Revere starts. You know, there's a whole story of, you know, lighting a lamp by the sea, um, you know, one if by one if by sea, two if by land. This was the whole story about how the, uh, the English army was about to come in. <clears throat> and when we got there, I was reciting Henry Wadsworth's Longfellow's poem almost by heart, you know. The poem starts with, uh, listen, my children, and ye shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. And all of my American um, classmates were surprised that I even knew the poem and that I could recite it. So, you know, I particularly did not enjoy English literature or, or in fact, Hindi literature or poetry. That was, that was not one of my strong subjects. But looking back at it, I'm struck by how much of an impact it has left on me and the fact that I remember many of these stories, that I can recite some of them by, by memory, not having read them for 40 years. When you get to Hindi, um, <clears throat> my recollection of the prose side of this was, again, if I look back at what we studied, there was a real collection of some very humorous stories, um, some real sort of dense essays, uh, some real dramas. You know, there was this uh, story called Usne Kahatha, which got made into a movie later on, which was about... Um, uh, a battlefield scene from the First World War. Again, I mean, the reason I'm saying this is that it's it's striking how much of an impact those stories have left in that I remember them and I kind of recount the stories even sort of 40 years later. But I think, Vijay, you know, you mentioned something which I found um, I intriguing and I just want to expand on, which is Hindi poetry was kind of tough because the language was tough. Actually, Neeraj, I think you mentioned it as well, that it's not the language in which you speak to your friends. <clears throat> and this has been a real struggle with Hindi poetry. And it's only much later that I've come to appreciate Hindi poetry a bit more. But can I ask you guys, I mean, I've just talked quite a bit about how, what impressions this left, uh, all of this literature left on me. Is that uh, something that you would recount as well? Or is this all forgotten for you? So I feel like uh, most of what I learned during my school years, at least in school, most of it is forgotten uh, the memories you have and the richness of memories you have and all the sort of recollections of reading some of these interesting works uh, i don't have much of that at all i but my best recollections of reading from that time are more from what i read outside and i'm sure there's a lot of parallels between you guys and me and what we read yeah. yes you know i mean i wasn't much of a reader when i was in school to be honest you know <clears throat> I mean, I was a struggling student for the most part, and reading was not quite my thing. But the one thing that got my interest peaked is that in class seven, we were prescribed an abridged version of Alexander Dumas's The Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, this, this book was about 100 pages long. <clears throat> now, it turned out that my uncle had a whole collection of Dumas's original works, including The Count of Monte Cristo. 
Now, the original Count of Monte Cristo is a, like even in densely packed text. It's over a thousand pages long. But I found the story so fascinating that I went back and read the original. <clears throat> and Dumas is an interesting character. He was a bit of an alcoholic. And he used to go into these states where he was, alco- well, he was basically senseless for months. And there's about 300 pages in the original book, which was completely taken out of the, um, out of the abridged version, which is sort of historical research shows that that was one of the phases where Dumas was drunk. Uh, and, and, you know, you could take it out of the book without losing any of the meaning. But it was fascinating to read the book in the original <clears throat> because it gives you much more of an intensity of the thought process of the original author, which doesn't come out in an abridged version at all. So, I mean, the, some of the points that you guys were making about, you know, reading very shortened versions, it is true that, you know, you really cannot get into those shortened versions because <clears throat> it's almost like cliff notes rather than really getting into the original. Neeraj, your schooling, um, did it leave any memories on you or like Vijay, it all sort of came and, came and went? So, so I'm in sort of Vijay's boat here. Like Vijay <clears throat> might have been because he was uh, jumping the schools. Uh, so a little bit of background, right? Alwar, small little tiny town back in 70s and 80s. Um, it was known for Kalakan, a sweet, and not much around anything else. It was uh, the industrial time. They were adding factories, Aishar, Calvinator, Modi uh, chemicals, and there were a lot of growth happening. So there was a lot of migration uh, happening in the 80s where people from bigger cities, metros, were coming in. But what it still lagged was infrastructure. We talked about two central boards. Alwar actually had two different boards. One was CBSC, NCRD board, and other one was Rajasthan board, right? We forget that there were state also had their own Actually, boards. That's a very important point because we shouldn't forget that there were state boards, and yeah. the state boards were different by state. Yeah, and they also had the, the had the regional language in those boards. Exactly. So while in KV for us Hindi and English were mandatory because Rajasthan was a Hindi belt and Sanskrit was the third language. I think in other states, let's say Tamil and English would be the mandatory language, and Hindi would be one of the optional languages among others. But Alwar being such a small place, we didn't have multilingual teachers available or we didn't have a French and Russian or German uh, language options. We were forced and that, that was it, Hindi, English and Sanskrit, right? Uh, so, and even the teachers, I, I, I don't want to say that the teachers were also very from limited background. So if I were to read a Shakespeare, I would expect a teacher to know Shakespeare also. Otherwise... Shakespeare would be translated as pretty much yeah. in their own what way. You want it to be, right? Yeah. It's not so, Shakespeare at that point. At 6th and 8th grade, you don't have the depth and knowledge of the language. You grasp it by how teacher translates yeah. it and, you know, interprets for you. So we didn't have that depth in school. We had multiple Hindi and English teachers, one Sanskrit teacher, one backup Sanskrit teacher. Very good teachers, really loved them. To expect them to me, you know, to expect them to teach me uh, sort of Shakespeare or, or Tolkien or, or whatever, even was out of bounds. Uh, their talents and not 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 in a bad way, but that's what we had. We were dealt with limited cards. No, I think I think it's important to recognize that you know that I mean sometimes people say it was poor schooling, but you know poor schooling is a function of having teachers. And if the teachers have no ability to get exposed to these things, yeah. it's very difficult for them to imagine then these things and then explain it to you. Yep. 
exactly exactly so so i so for me it, it was also that the you know if the teacher didn't have a passion i didn't have a passion either my yeah. sanskrit teacher was very passionate about teaching the sanskrit and i i I'm, i don't remember I, i've forgotten most of the sanskrit now because since ninth grade or eighth grade i've never used it other than reading some shlokas here and there like you know puja paath and all those things but but i used to be very good at sanskrit because he was very passionate about teaching sanskrit and, and i can say the same thing about my science teachers also my math teacher was probably one of the best teachers ever in terms of the way he taught math he was very he had tough love but he taught it very well and i excelled in math even until college right and, and even into kgp days so it was also how the teachers imparted that passion and knowledge into you and and you carried with it for me doing anything as a textbook or if i have to give an exam after that kind of made me hate that subject so uh, i did not like uh, hindi english history and even civics civics to me was like what crap is that why do i need to know that now i'm now uh, <laughs> i read a lot about it um, and try to keep my opinions to myself or make a fun about it but 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 it's one of those things where i was totally averse to reading more about these literature and historic events because i'm like who's going to remember the names the dates yeah. the incidents and even the stories were around that you have to remember the character name who killed whom who cheated with whom not that we didn't have those stories but you get my point right yeah, yeah, so yeah. i i kind of became averse but but meanwhile in alwar i picked up a lot of hindi side literature i i can't remember the name but they were they were uh, they were both the pulp fiction type of guys and your typical uh, are good guys like munshi ji and all those guys so so i read a lot of hindi literature in between 8 9 to 12 college kharagpur got into non fictional genre uh, sorry fictional these novels like robert ludlum jeffrey archer sydney sheldon and all these guys thoroughly enjoyed them whatever i could find in our library central library and azad library i finished all of them whatever i could find and uh, then came to us would do masters and phd and you get so much involved in reading your own technical journals that if you wish you had more time to read that so i had these cycles of uh, uh thing but uh, but given where i come from where it, i was studying the original stuff i, I did not really pick up that habit of reading and exploring it more later I mean, you know, you've mentioned um, uh, civics education. I think you know we should do a whole podcast on civics ed- education and how we were uh, exposed to the whole idea of the new government and the new constitution and everything else in India. Uh, you know, that is a topic in itself. But can I turn our attention to something else? So, you know, this is what we learned at school. <clears throat> of course, none of us went back to an education in literature. You know, we went into engineering and then we've kind of pursued different paths since then. but none of us have really gone back to the path of literature as such but in terms of what you read now um you know anything really but especially anything that reflects back on the kind of uh, literature that we were reading in school what are you reading especially that's related to india uh, and in particular do you read anything in hindi at all a good question Vijay. so let me start by hindi uh, and then i'll get to what else i'm reading but i have I can say with pride that I have read one work of work in Hindi from end to end, and uh, this was Tamas. So all of you mm-hmm. probably remember. I mean, you know, everybody knows about the book, but 
we had the serial when we were growing up, I guess in my teenage years, it was on TV. It was a very scary serial based on the book about the time of partition, right? Uh, and uh, I was very fascinated by that story. So I went when I, on one of my trips to India, I found it, I brought it back with me. And it was really tough going in the beginning because I had not read Hindi in a long time and just reading sort of a, a book in Hindi, um, it just wasn't natural for me. But as I kept going, the story was just written so well. And it was as scary as the serial that I remember from my childhood. But I kind of realized that there is this whole side of literature that is completely unexplored by me. And I, I have to say, I haven't really gone back and read another one. But that was a fantastic book uh, recommended to anybody. And that's the only sort of work in Hindi that I have read fully and really appreciated it. I think all my reading, uh, really the big and interesting stuff that, stuff that I've read has been after I came to the U.S. in grad school. We had a lot of time to do other things besides study. Uh, I had a couple of roommates who were also very much into reading. And I think a lot of what I read was more nonfiction than fiction. I started getting into a lot of things around history, um, science, uh, later in my working years, also around some of the things around management and business. And then fiction has really been sort of off and on, depending on certainly something becomes you know popular, like, you know, when Khaled Hosseini's Kite Runner came out, you know, that series, you know, I've read those books, they're fantastic books. I got into Salman Rushdie for a while. And I started realizing that a lot of fiction that I was reading was typically tied to something in real life. So I really, except for maybe the Harry Potter series uh, that I've read recently, which is completely fictional, uh, a lot of fiction that I've really enjoyed over the years has been, uh, you know, there's a little bit of Some real history yeah. entangled inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something that sort of yeah. makes it much more tangible and real. That has been yeah. really fun for me. So those are the kinds of things that I've been reading in the last uh, couple of decades. And I do read a lot, but I feel like I've tended to go more on the nonfiction side in the last few right. years. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, that's no different from kind of what I've done as well. And, and you know, something that's grounded in something that's contextual is much... Uh, has has an appeal that's very different from a fantasy like Harry Potter. Uh, Neeraj, you? So, <clears throat> I've not gone back to the school literature. I'll just be honest about it, right? And uh, Hindi. So, uh, again, I've not read Tamas. I've not read any Hindi novel end-to-end. But what has happened over the time is, uh, when I go back to India, my dad used to do a lot of crossword puzzles in Hindi. So, he would pick up the newspaper early in the morning and do that. And I would pick up the other sections of the newspaper and try to read them. What I've found is that over time, my Hindi capabilities have gone down. It does not, I don't read Hindi as fast as I was, or I used to as a child, right? Even though when I'm reading Hindi newspaper, in my mind, I'm translating it yeah, in English. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, if you, if you don't practice, then yeah, you will be able to read, read it, but it's very slow. And 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 the, some of the alphabets are very clear, you know, the full alphabets. But a lot of uh, uh, newspapers they tend to uh, have started printing Sanyukt Shabd, right? Those two alphabets yeah, yeah, yeah. that are combined into each other. The Chakriya, the Ch is a common one, but when you have half J or half C Ch, yeah, yeah. they have kind of started merging those, and it takes a second to realize what what, what is the word, and then. Because of the lack of usage of some hard words, you have to think through, like, what does this actually mean? And then you have to read the sentence again to get the context back. 
that used to be english for me back in school days but now it's kind of become hindi so for me uh, vijay if i were to read a hindi novel end to end it would be as if i'm learning the language all over again and uh, i can speak well in hindi and all that but you, the reading part has become not that common even when i'm writing i have to think which you know ta ta cha cha i need to write i have to pronounce it inside my brain couple of times to write the even the right alphabet so so that has become challenge on that but i as i said i've been reading a lot of uh, fiction too and 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 it varies but in between i will pick up some technical books some science books uh, like wh- why does this work this way or why you know the, the about galaxies i've been reading a lot of uh, astronomy books they're out of my I, i i read them i understand them but if you ask me to summarize what i read i would be like i don't know i lost half of it because of the technical terms so so i've been reading a lot of science books uh, i have some finances and management books too i bought thinking you know uh, I'll, i'll i'll read them and i did read them <laughs> but <laughs> if you ask me uh tell me neeraj how does interest rate matter for the bond to the economy to this i will be like uh, let me take a pen and paper and draw that graph and maybe i can explain it to you verbally i can so my reading has been mostly around fiction and some of these technical and science works uh i tried reading some autobiographies i've read them um some i've not felt inspired by steve G- sorry steve jobs or or <laughs> bill gates books saying oh yeah this inspires me I don't know why. The one book I read that actually inspired me was the uh who was the guy uh, Arcona uh, Chrysler guy, right? So, that book was probably one of the interesting biographies I read. But other than that, I'm not I don't feel much inspired by these biographies because of my own journey. I think I can write my own book and inspire myself. So, that's my story. <laughs> yeah it's interesting to see you say that neeraj i mean i think we we are all in the category where bulk of our reading is non fiction and it's whatever non fiction you can get your hands on but i have to agree with you neeraj the books that i find the most boring are the business books because they are all like one, one blends into another one and frankly i just lose the plot altogether vijay you want to come in yeah there is something about how uh, literature is taught or how uh... you know this stuff is brought to life that makes a huge difference to our interest in you know exploring especially the sort of fiction side and poetry and stuff like that the right teacher can make so much happen recently uh, we watched uh, you know dead poet society with our kids we dropped out these uh the the teacher in that movie uh, robin williams plays the role uh, so inspiring how he brings literature to life and gets all the these young impressionable minds to start reading and really really exploring their own inner selves and stuff like that i never had that kind of experience in my childhood with teachers right it's almost like when you go to a museum you know i know you give a lot of museum tours um whenever i've gone to art museums and stuff like that on my own uh 30 minutes later my eyes have glazed over i really don't know what i'm looking at but if yeah. i go with somebody knowledgeable who understands the history who gives you the context and really brings it to life it's a totally different experience and if you have a a few of those experiences early in your life that really makes you interested your probably outlook towards this stuff is so different from if it's just sort of fed to you and there's a set of questions and answers at the end that you have to do so i feel like those sorts of experiences have happened more later in my life basically uh, it has to do with 
you know, having people around me who were much more into it, who wanted to talk about it, or people like you who sort of brought history to life. Those are the reasons that I got into reading the kinds of things I read. And, you know, I, I, I think my kids are getting a much uh, better immersion into literature. And some of their teachers have been really good who sort of make them think and explore. That's the way it has to be taught because then it stays with you in, in life. Whereas some of us kind of treated it like a task and had to kind of figure it out later ourselves based on happenstance. You know, you either met an interesting person or you saw something and decided to take a chance. But it wasn't really built into me, at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so, <clears throat> um, I mean, I rediscovered some of this Hindi literature while I was at Harvard, because again, you know, good library, you can hang around there and read pretty much what you like. Um, but the literature that I really started reading was Premchand. And the stories are incredibly rich, you know, a bit like what you were describing, Vijay, which is that they're a bit heavy going in the beginning. Uh, but once you get into them, these stories are incredibly rich. They're very well written. They are a real close um, you know, observation on society and everything else that's going on around, uh, around you in a way that, frankly, you know, our engineering education never taught us. But the thing that I've been more struck by, even more than the literature, which I haven't read as much of, is the poetry. And especially the poetry in the kind of period around the independence movement, you know, from the 1920s onwards to the 1950s and 1960s. I mean, I, I have to tell you, it is incredibly rich. I mean, the poetry of, you know, Harivansh Rai Bachchan or, you know, Subhadra Kamari Chauhan or, you know, any of these, there are so many of them, some of which we were exposed to, you know, we all remember, you know, things like Pushtkiya Bhilasha, which was on the TV every night for years and years, and we all probably remember all the words from it. But, you know, poems like Janiyawala Bagh Mein Basant, which in whatever it is, 12 uh, two-line verses, captures the spirit of Janiyawala Bagh in such a deafening way. Uh, you know, it's incredibly rich in that respect. You know, also the poetry of Dinkar, where the language is extraordinary and you have to read the, the verses over and over again to understand what he's saying. Um, I personally, over the last you know many years, probably you know ten or fifteen years, I, I found myself uh, reading not a lot of poetry. I, I won't say that I'm by any means an expert in this, or even that I spend very much time reading it. But every now and then, I'll discover something and just be in complete awe of the kind of language that was being used, or the kind of emotions that were being expressed, and especially the idea of a new India that was being expressed in all of these poetry. I mean, it is just striking. And if you haven't read it, um, I'm happy to give you guys, you know, a few pointers of what to look at. But it is, uh, it is a really fulfilling experience, I have to say. Is the language really hard to follow? So prose, I kind of, once I got into the, uh, you know, first chapter or two in, in uh, Tamas, it was just hard going because I hadn't, as I think as Neeraj mentioned, read a lot of Hindi recently. So just getting used to the idea of reading Hindi, uh, once I got there, I could follow it very easily. Uh, poetry always always feels like it's much more complex. So the ones that you're describing, are they, you know, is it is it simple language that you can follow and it's just beautiful or is it meanings within meanings? Well, within I, think, meanings kind of stuff, so. I, I think, you know, th there's two types of poetry. In fact, the, you know, I mean, I've gone back and read a little bit about this. There was a whole movement in the 1930s, especially called Chayavad, which is basically writing in alliterations. I mean, frankly, everything was like with a hidden double meaning behind it. And that is hard work. And there was a huge critique of Chayavad 
which uh, you know which brought simplicity to the not so much the language but brought simplicity to what was being conveyed i think you know the challenge that you get with especially with people like dinkar his his hindi is so good and so chaste that uh, even vocabulary for example challenges you right because in our day to day vocabulary in speaking hindi we are very limited actually there's a much wider vocabulary that we are not really um, aware of or at least don't use it every day so you read a word and say like what is he actually trying to say now if you if you know the vocabulary then the meaning of what he's trying to say is not difficult at all so it does take a little bit of effort but then you know on the other side you know you read poetry like um so for example subhadra kumari chauhan's you know very beautiful poem kadam ka ped ya kadam ka ped agar maa hota yamuna tire main bhi is par baith kar nahiya banta dheere dheere it is a beautiful poem written you know of the love between a, a, a boy and his mother um it's just one of those endearing poems that where the language is not difficult at all the meanings are not difficult at all and you read it and you come away with a very warm glow in your mind yeah i think those are the ones worth uh, exploring first some of the <clears> things that i have not read but maybe heard recently uh you know on online channels which have been really interesting are some of the poetry or some of the songs i guess re- revolutionary stuff during the freedom movement in india some of that stuff was i mean i can't really name one but i do remember hearing some which are just very inspiring you can imagine that if those kinds of poems were going around or recordings were going around it they inspired a lot of people to action i think that stuff is also a treasure trove worth exploring and kind of seeing you know what people were thinking and how they were reacting to the british rule and stuff like that i think these things probably lend themselves well also to the concept of book clubs or yes. discussion groups where you kind of say okay you know let's go read this and then come back and chat about it maybe we should start one of those because i would be quite interested in exploring uh some of the hindi or even other languages in india literature if somebody could come and sort of explain it i think there's a lot there that is completely unexplored no completely and and i don't think it's hindi alone you know uh i mean we we all went to iit kharagpur in west bengal so we all got familiar with a little bit of bengali i mean the bengali revolutionary literature and poetry is also incredibly rich i mean you guys you guys know you know there's the song um akbar bidai dema which i sang and sort of put on our group recently i mean it is an incredibly rich poem and uh, you know i i think there is something to be said about us getting a little bit better exposure to especially that revolutionary poetry because i think it is an of an outstanding quality guys look so, i think we should explore this a bit further i think your idea vijay of a book club is fantastic neeraj sorry you wanted to come in no no so i was going to add one thing that vijay kind of mentioned and uh, i was building on to that one the and i mentioned you know your love for literature and poetry comes on from two sources right your internal yourself and and your teachers or, or people who are imparting that knowledge on you so so the so the poems that i could decipher that's what i would call them decipher i like them because i didn't need extra outside help and i could understand what they were saying uh, when they were written in say simpler in hindi or english for that matter they were interesting and you try to think what they're trying to say but once you get into the deeper meaning and where the words are losing you uh, you immediately disconnect so yeah. so yeah. so so the same thing is like hey if there was somebody who can come and say hey you know let's have a a poetry session and can explain what they're trying to say not just recite the poem itself and everybody goes like wow 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 i i would immediately lose interest in it right 
because I don't comprehend. And if I don't comprehend and not trying to be childish about it, but I don't have a point or value to gain out of there, right? So, so, for, so part of this is, hey, this is what the poem means. What do you think? What do you think? And people have discussion. I can participate. If people decide a poem, share or shari gajal, and they wah, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit eclectic for artists, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. For me, I, I, it actually ticks me off very quickly. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the same thing Then when I go to a museum, I will look at the art. Even if it's very complex art, I would interpret it in my way and love it. And I've, and Shashi, you've seen that when I go to a museum, sometimes I'm of just seeing the pictures, right? The things that interest me. And then later you tell me what the deeper meaning behind that statue or the painting was, which is awesome. But I'm more, you know, don't ask me what the deeper meaning is. Either ask me what I think of a simple meaning. And it goes for poems, prose, yeah, absolutely. You know, stories and everything. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, this is about being able to absorb these things and enjoy them in your own terms. Yeah. But, you know, I'll just bring you back and I think we should finish after this. There is some very simple and beautiful poetry that I'm sure all of us remember. You know, I, I mentioned earlier Pushtki Abhilasha, written by mm-hmm. Makhan Lal Chaturvedi. Yep. The language is dead simple, right? Yep. You know, there's nothing complicated about the language at all. Mm-hmm. But the meaning that it conveys is yep. incredibly powerful. I mean, awesome. it, it is just awesome. Sacrifice, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't sound normal unless you sing it in the tune that they had it on those Dakshatshatshat. Completely. <laughs> completely. Completely. It's you know, completely tattooed to my brain. We, we, have been, we have been so attuned to that, that, you know, if it's not set in music, it doesn't sound right. Indoctrinated. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, look, guys, this was a fantastic discussion. I think, um, you know, this might be worth exploring a bit further. And I think, uh, Neeraj, your idea of civics education, especially in the context of, you know, how, well, whether people are getting educated in things of that kind or not anymore is something that I think would be a good topic for a future discussion. But let's leave it. Yeah, we'll come back to that at some point, but let's leave it here for now. Uh, uh, We should be signing off now with this is episode 29 of the Indian Diaspora podcast. This is your host Shashi with Vijay and Neeraj. We will see you again next week with a new topic and see you until then. All right. Thank you, Shashi. Take care, guys.